everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Paula Findlay. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Nick Goldston. We are all triathletes and this is a podcast about triathlon. We answer your questions every week, kind of update you on what's going on with us. Eric and I are both professional triathletes. Nick is a professional musician, amateur triathlete, and we're all kind of deep into training for our next race. So uh, happy to be here. And we got some really good questions this week. Hey, Nick. You know what just dawned on me is that I think some people don't necessarily know that you two are romantically involved. Maybe Ooh. people who just listen to the podcast are like, yeah, they're two pros on the age group and they're all friends. You guys are a little bit more than friends. Paula and I are both professional triathletes. We are romantically involved. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nick is an amateur triathlete and we are also romantically involved. Yes, no, you're right. not. <laughs> Stop Paula, it. don't get jealous, Paula. Don't get jealous. Stop it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you are. So, Eric, you were just talking to me about uh, a video you saw on Instagram of was it a professional or an age grouper that was spending about ninety seconds trying to fit a, a, a hydration bladder down the front of their kit? Yeah, in a race. It was a professional, and Paula oh told me after the fact that this person had the fastest bike split, which I can only attribute to them being ninety seconds behind the lead group and then catching up after <laughs> right. getting right. their uh, little arrow fairing water situation all dialed in but yeah it's really awkward to shove a bladder of water down your kit turns out so it's brutal to watch because he's like trying to support the bladder of water while trying to zip up his kit but then you gotta like support the bladder but then also like pinch the bottom of your zipper so it doesn't like <laughs> slide up and then he's like he would get it part way up and then the bladder would slide down and we'd have to start <laughs> over and i was just like oh my god like it, all it, this had better be 60 watts faster to have this it's all in that arrow interest I the one thing I could see for Iron Man is it's, it's physically carrying water. So it's like a, a water source. But yeah, yeah, messing around with that and transitions got to cancel out the the gains, you'd think. And I don't know. I mean, it'd certainly be a break in mental momentum. Yeah, it'd be frustrating. That's true. Anyway, if you're going to do that, uh, practice your transitions while you're putting in your little uh, <laughs> water pregnancy kangaroo pouch. <laughs> As with anything in the sport, practice it before you do it uh, in a pro field race. I actually practiced my 180s today because in the TT champs that are coming up on Friday, there's two 180s. Otherwise, it's an otherwise very non-technical course, but come flying into a 90 to, uh, 180 degree turn requires a little bit of practice and some skills for like shifting properly, accelerating well out of the saddle, all that. So Eric and I went out and did about... Um, 180, 180s. Wow. It was awesome, actually. There we there was like she would she crossed over a crosswalk and just before she did 180, which was planned. And I was timing her from the crosswalk through the 180 back to the crosswalk uh, without her knowing at first. And she was doing 10.5 seconds. And then by the end she was doing like 8.9 seconds. We just got like five to six seconds over the course of that time trial. So are you fully aware of the course now? And do you know how much climbing there is? Yeah, there's about 200 meters of climbing over 30K. So it's a lot of climbing. Oh, that's actually quite a bit. Yeah, but it's like a straight road. So uh, it just must be just super rolling. Do you know if you can pedal all those downhills or not? I don't know, but Eric put some super tight gearing on my rear, rear cassette thing. Okay. Yeah, she's so. going with uh 52 tooth front. We're still doing the one by and then a 1028 instead of the 1033. For those who don't know, yeah. Paula is traveling to Canada to race in the Canadian time trial championships, which are just the bike, uh, because last year she raced and won and was Canadian champion. Yep. So I got to win again. It'll be hard though. Yeah. But I feel more prepared this year. But anyway, I don't want this to turn into a pot about that. So let's move well, we're, on. We're definitely going to debrief it at some point when you race it. So. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. We can debrief it. We can debrief it after. We'll start this week by saying that our bottle winner this week, and first of all, before we, we mention our winner, uh, what, what bottle are they getting? Are they getting a, a, a special bottle this week? Well, we're running low on our TTL bottles, so we might actually be sending now bottles that are like the custom-made bottles that Specialized did for Eric and I that mimic our kit design. I thought I was the only one that got those, but now I guess no. I'm not that special These anymore. are 100% not for sale available anywhere, but we're just feeling generous because Specialized, the minimum order of bottles is 100. And Paula and I cannot go through 100 bottles each right. each season. So that's yep. just that just might be happening. We're going to transition over to those as soon as our TTL Summer Edition bottles have sold out. Cool. Well, the way we pick this is we go through all of the pod supporters who helps us keep the podcast ad-free and we randomly pick one. And this week we had 
Kyung Kim from Perlin, Texas. Also, we all agree that we love your name, Kyung Kim. It kind of sounds like a rapper name, the alliteration. Like, there's something about alliteration that always works. When is your debut album dropping? Can't wait. We want to hear it. I rode today with my friend Sierra Scoggin, and I was like, I was like, oh damn, alliteration in names is just like, I feel like you're an actor or <laughs> yeah. an, or a yeah. painter or something. We're gonna well, name sure. our kids with an L. Start, starts with an L. Logan Lagerstrom. My parents wanted to name me Rebecca. Actually, Pierce. <laughs> I was gonna say Lance. It was Pierce, but Lance would be cool. Lance Lagerstrom. Lance would have been game. good. <laughs> and somehow we are talking about our future yeah, children's yeah, name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kyung, uh, just email that triathlon life brand at gmail.com with your updated address and we will send you out a bottle. For everybody else, you can submit questions to this podcast and you can also become a supporter yourself at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast. Uh, Eric, are we sending out that kind of funny little video that we made of us uh, doing this first bottle selection? Yeah, you just need to tell me when I should do it and I will send it out. Okay, great. By the time this podcast will be out, we'll have sent that to the supporters. We hope you find it funny. We were having a lot of fun with it, as you can tell from the video. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So uh, we're going to do some rapid fire right now. And this one's going to be your favorites. So you're going to pick as fast as you can without thinking too much your favorites for each of these. Okay, I'll start easy with few options. Your favorite Zwift location? Tempest Fugit. Oh my gosh. I have not ridden Zwift in a long time. Might be Tempest Fugit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Watopia. Watopia is my favorite land. Even I've heard of Watopia. (laughs) It's the mainland. It's the mainland. (laughs) Okay, great. Next one. What about your favorite outdoor ride location? It can be like a city or even like a specific road or a mountain. Uh, Skyliner Road in Bend. Oh God. Are we going with roads? Can be anything. My first thought was roads, and I'll just say around where I grew up, just outside of Troutdale, like Columbia River Gorge, Historic Highway. I'm stealing that answer as well. Is that really that great, Paula? That even you find it to be... It's so good. The road biking is... I mean, what you know comes to mind for me is that lake that we biked to in Banff last year after the Canadian Open. Yeah, but that's all bike path. Yeah, it's beautiful. But for in terms of ride quality... Yeah. That's a very novel single ride. Yeah. Yeah. Versus yeah. like a whole area that's just limitless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. Favorite pool in the world? I kind of like the pool in Tucson, honestly. The Aqua Bears pool? In terms of views. No, not Aqua Bear. Like the Oro Valley Aquatic Center. It's got a real, really cool mountain view. Barton Springs. Barton in Springs Austin, in Texas. Texas. What, what oh, makes it special? that's kind of like an outdoor pool. It's like an outdoor, a river that they turned into a pool. It's super cool. There's like vegetation. It's 800 meters long. What? Yeah, that's cool. Oh my gosh. That's hardly a pool at all. No, but it, you can open water something. They got out. some real cool pools in Austin. That and Deep Eddy. Uh, next, your favorite track in the world. Um, there's this track, actually. It's Point Loma University. In San Diego? You're like looking over the, yeah, you're looking over the bluffs. It's like hanging off of the cliff. I'm going to be there a week from today, racing. Like the track is meh, but... The view is crazy. Point Loma is amazing. Paula, what about you? Favorite track in the world? Yeah. I would probably just say the one in Edmonton that I grew up running on just because of the yeah. memories. Yeah. Hey, that counts. Those count. And last one, your favorite run spot in the world. Man, right by you, like swimming, uh, running by the river up there is pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Shevlin Park, I'd say. Yeah. Which is like half a mile from our house. Mm, I might say something in Canmore. Some of those crazy climbs. and We're spoiled. We get to train in a lot of good spots. So Before we get on to questions, we have a follow-up from last week. And I love when this happens, when we have a question that's a little bit out of our expertise and we try to do our best to answer it, but then we have a podcast listener who is an expert in that field. <laughs> and that's exactly what we have this week from Lindsay. Hi, TTL. I've been noticing that y'all are getting a lot of laundry questions recently. I work in a laundry ingredient industry and want to chime in. The company I work for makes enzymes, which are the main stain removal ingredient in a lot of detergents, especially green detergents. We have a product that specifically targets body grime. This is dead skin cells and other junk that's left behind after you wear your clothes, use a towel, etc. This body grime nonsense is also what makes workout clothes and other things stink so much. There are currently two products available on the market that have this, and both are really eco-friendly and cold wash friendly. Great job, Nick, on that synopsis. You nailed it. Thank you. Uh, the first is a full detergent, and it's the Sport Wash by Whole Foods 365 brand. And the second is a laundry booster made by Dirty Labs. Highly recommend giving one or both a try. They work super well. Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. That's great. 
And good yeah, for us actually, to know too. Some killer intel. I actually, as soon as I read this, I went online and bought the Dirty Labs laundry detergent and the enzymes. 50 bucks, like the most expensive laundry detergent I've ever bought. In. Wow. But it's coming. Uh, it'll be here on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Most expensive I've ever bought. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny not to not to harp on laundry too much longer. But I have two different laundry baskets: one for my sports clothes and one for my regular clothes. And like in my in my stupid mind, I'm like, oh, I'll make the regular clothes basket the bigger one because of course I'm going to go through with the bigger one. There's like never anything in there. I only wear my sports clothing. Like I wake up, put on like my TTL shorts, and then wear those all day until I have to work out. And then I put workout clothes on, and then I get back. I shower and I put the shorts back on and I never wear yeah. normal clothes. Same. Yeah, we all really only need one pair of shorts and one t-shirt plus athletic wear. Yeah, except yeah. the athletic wear is never ending. That's the but problem. But I do, I do really think this is useful info because for the longest time I've used like scent-free, super sensitive skin, you know, the, the most mild detergent you can get. And I noticed our jerseys weren't really getting the full smell out of them after wearing mm. them in like really sweaty weather. So... This is good information to like maybe put the enzyme powder that that Dirty Lab sells is like separate from the detergent. Yeah. I bought the detergent too, just because I'm a sucker for cool packaging. Of course. But um, I think that the actual enzyme powder stuff could be cool for like athletic wear wash. Um, But I will get back to you on it. Yeah. There's a long-term review here. Obviously the Whole Foods is much easier to find. So if, you know, you could try that too. But um, yeah, I'll get back to you on the Dirty Labs. I'm excited. It's funny how it seems like, oh, it's like so boring, except all of us experience this problem with our clothes, yes. with our Real sports clothing. Problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when you're online shopping, you're like, oh, it's only $39.99. Cool. Add it to cart. Oh, speaking of- Credit card spe- is saved. Speaking, That's of, speaking of expenses, um, my front derailleur has to be replaced too now. So th- my what? bike, I've needed to replace chain, chain rings, both cassette, bearings in both wheels, rear derailleur, and now also front derailleur. There's Re- just gone with a full I know it's, it's a- dude. They just came out with Rival. Get that. Uh, well, it's too late because I bought everything. <laughs> Why does your front derailleur need to be replaced? He said that I'm uh, I shifted at the wrong time once and bent the 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 actual like metal cage. Because I set the high limit and the low limit screws properly, and I was trying and well, actually, I couldn't set them properly. They were like maxed out, and he's like, "Yeah, it's because this like you've bent the the cage or or whatever." So I'm gonna try to like bend it back myself, but he's, he says that usually once it bends, it'll just go back to that bad shape after a while. Sounds like he wants to sell you a derailleur. Yeah, I don't like this guy. He no, this guy did, did the adjustment for free and told me to go find it on eBay. So I don't oh, think this so. is the new guy. This okay. is a different guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I I think he he is probably right that's just crazy your luck i know it's so it's so unlucky well that i have a question for the pod what is the lifespan of a bike like at what point are you like okay i'm just buying a new bike because i ride my bike five times a week it's an important part of my life and a new bike will cost me maybe eight grand at what point do you do that instead of fixing everything the thing that's difficult is that a new bike built up fully Costs so much less than buying those individual components. Obviously, yeah, we exactly. all know that. Yeah, but but rarely, unlike unlike me right now, rarely is your wheel set dying. Is your front derailleur and rear derailleur needing replacement? Is your chains and chain rings and cassette needing replacement all at the same time? So yeah. it's easy to tell yourself, oh, hundred dollars here, hundred dollars there. That's way less than a five thousand dollar bike. But you're right. Like, at what point do you just say, okay, enough is enough? Yeah, that's the same way with cars. A little I, bit. I mean, like t- typically. I mean, over the last like five years, just whenever they come out with a new, you can get 10, you start with 10 speed and then you get 11 speed and now you can get 12 speed. Like pretty quickly, there's not going to be 10 speed anymore. And then they're not going to make a let, they're not going to support 11 speed anymore. So once you're a few years into that, I'd say like, like three or four years. You My bike's from bike. 2017, so it's been six years. You're, but dude, you're so overdue for a new bike. <laughs> the thing is, like, what's wrong with this bike? It's like an it's a Venge Vias, like nice aero frame that's and the carbon will like last for it's just so hard to rationalize replacing that bike when it, it yeah. works. I'm pretty sure like just go just go take an afternoon and test ride a new uh tarmac. Honestly, I would love a new tarmac. Just do love that. And that'll probably tarmac. You'll probably come back and this will be like, this was a dumb conversation. Should have just got the tarmac. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay, well, the first question this week is from Allison. Hi, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flynn. I was going to write you a long-winded email about how great the pod is, but I decided to leave it in the review instead. So I hope you go check it out because I do really appreciate all you guys do. Thanks, that is Allison. amazing. Yeah, we love that. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, my question is about running on the beach. I live at the Jersey Shore, and within running distance of my house, I don't have any trail options. I can run to the beach or the boardwalk, which consists of wood and some pavement. I get to the trails when I can, but sometimes don't have the time to drive. So my question is, do you think it's okay to do some of my runs in the sand? Not soft sand because I'm not that fit. Am I better off in the boardwalk than the pavement? Thank you so much for all you do for the sport and your fans. Allison. Nice. Interesting. The problem with sand and beaches is that they're often pretty cambered. Yeah. Even if you don't see it visually. As in sloped towards the water. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're running one direction only, I mean, I guess you could flip and come back and balance it out. But still. Yeah. If if you're running off camber, it can kind of lead to some injury imbalance issues. Although in terms of the surface, it's actually pretty nice. Like kind of wet sand. Mm -hmm. It's a lot softer, obviously, than concrete. So that can alleviate some of the pounding. But yeah, you just have to really be careful with the, the slope of the beach. But in terms of the boardwalk, I would say that um, wood slats are better than concrete. Yeah, I think cer- certain woods softer than other wood, but it still seems like it would all be less uh, impact than than concrete. Con- certainly yeah. than concrete. And some of the cool things about running on like maybe some uneven wood or uneven sand is that it's really good for ankle strengthening and stability, and especially if you're just doing easy runs in the spot. I think that's the key. That's the problem with that I have with the wording of this question is, do you think it's okay to do some of my runs in the sand? As in, take some of your scheduled runs and just do them in the sand. And uh, basically, like, like you said, the advantage is also the disadvantage. The advantage is that you're using different muscles and stabilizers that you're not used to using. So then if you're just going to jump in and do your hour interval run in the sand when you're not used to it, it's like you're going to overwork these little muscles that are it's it's going to lead to a problem. Yeah. So like you said, I was, yeah, I would say easy, just the, easy, easy yeah. stuff. And at yeah. first, very short, I would probably say, and just see how your body kind of reacts just to it. Just the easy stuff. That's a good point, Nick, yeah. Yeah, just don't even look at your watch and you're going to slip a little more than on pavements. So it'll be slower. But it's yeah. also pretty beautiful. It's like good uh, meditation running, you know? Yeah, you don't yeah. even need to look at your watch. Just look out at the waves. So yeah, just as with anything else, when you're changing things up, do it gradually. Yeah. Uh, next question here is Sam from London in the UK. Hi, TTL squad. Just watched a clip of Paula's prep for the TT Nationals and saw the different helmet set up with a head sock. Uh, is this something you tested in the wind tunnel or are you using based on advice from specialized team? Also was wondering if this event would qualify you for the Olympics. Good luck for the race. Love following what y'all do. Sam from London. Yeah. That helmet is hilarious. I don't think it's ugly, personally. It I looks, think it's super cool. It's, it, it looks, looks like it's very business. You are ready to rock. Yeah. I think this thing got a bad rap because when it first came out, everybody was wearing it with a clear face shield because it was kind of like a cloudy day in the tour or whatever. With the metallic, you know, like reflective face shield, I think it looks fine. Yeah, I think it's cool. I, you think it looks fine? I I would never say that helmet. Either either it's like it's like the Cybertruck. I feel like either you're like, I love it, or you're like, what is that thing on that person's head? Yeah, it's very polarizing. Um, no, Eric? And- you, you think it like looks like like any other aero helmet? No, it doesn't look like any other aero helmet. I guess they all look a little funny. But like every time you see something, and you see it for the first time and everything is alarming. Right. And you see it for like the 12th time, you're like, man, I'm just... Mm-hmm. Right, it's less alarming. Right. I'm but- not sure it's like any less... Or more or less goofy looking than the Giro Arrowhead. I agree. All right. Arrow helmets are pretty ugly. When that Giro Arrowhead came out, I was like, <laughs> I could would not be caught dead wearing that. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, now everyone wears fast it. Fast forward six years later, I have one. Yeah. I think the Pock is the most hilarious looking. And apparently it's oh, very fast. One? But it's like it comes out like here. The one that looks like it's been squashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that one's hilarious. I can't. I can't with that one. <laughs> the right person. It's like a very specific person. That thing's super fast. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So speaking of speed, which is the main point of aero helmets, the one of the biggest differences of the specialized helmet is that it has a sock inside. So it's kind of like pantyhose material. It's not super thick, but it actually covers like your ears and wraps around your face. So it smooths out all of the 
air that might run alongside like your ears and your hair. It kind of just cleans out that whole thing. So yeah, that adds to the funny look of it because everyone kind of just has this black sock around their face. But personally, from a comfort perspective, one of the most comfortable air helmets I've ever worn. Really, And the visibility is crazy. It's like your Tesla, Nick. It's like you can just see everything. I love that. So the Giro Arrowhead is also pretty good for visibility, but I've worn like the Oakley before and some other helmets where I just cannot see that well out of the lens. Um, Where is this one? Never an issue. Even with my head pretty tucked, I can see up the road. Um, And I did test it in the wind tunnel. It tested the same for me as the Giro, but that was in a position that was slightly different than I'm in now because I didn't have the right mounts for these bars. So I think if I can get my head in the right position and the fact that it's more comfortable... And I think it looks intimidating and super badass. It does look intimidating. For <laughs> so sure. So I'm probably going to wear for that. Sure. I, think, I think this helmet is going to test fast. If we went back to the wind tunnel and you tested it in a very looking down at the ground position versus yeah. looking way up the road, I think the arrowhead is like pretty forgiving with looking all around and yeah. looking way down the road and making sure you're not drafting versus this helmet is optimized around like- A TT. You're, you're, it's a TT. You're looking down. You've got a- car behind you that's telling you if there's a speed bump coming up right. and yeah. you are not right. looking up the road. Totally. Like I find that when I'm even when I've been practicing and you don't have to look up to make sure you don't draft. So I can tuck my head more and get into a better position. Um, and a TT is all about kind of holding an uncomfortable kind of position because it's such a short period of time. So like Eric said, the Giro is a bit more forgiving and looking up the road to see if you're within 20 meters or whatever is always going to happen. But I think uh, I'm going to wear the specialized one. Yeah. And when you say you can see better up the road, um, is that all you're talking about with visibility or is it also side to side? Perif. Yeah. Great perif. Okay. Great perif. I mean, the whole thing wraps around. Whole (laughs) fishbowl. Yeah. But not in a distorting kind of way. It's like, I mean, I finished my TT simulation on Friday and I still had like 30 or 40 minutes of riding and I kept it on because I'm like, well, this is comfy. It wasn't like I was dying to get it off or anything, you know? This is my main issue with riding in TT is actually not being able to see up the road when I'm in like a position that I feel fast in. Well, Nick, I've got the helmet for you. That's how it is. That's how it works, (laughs) man. Sold. Okay, the only... You just got to like peek out between your eyebrows like every 20 seconds. The tricky tricky thing about this helmet, talking about it on a triathlon podcast, is the sock is not easy to put on. So for a triathlon, it's not really a great option because you'd have to put it on in transition. And also in a hot race, it would be hot. So I think we can just say it's not an option. It's not really an option for triathlon. It would, it would take you a little bit less time than stuffing a water bladder down your shirt. Though, that's I think. true. That's true. <laughs> if I was nice fully committed back, to it and it wasn't a hot race, I could do it. It's not that bad, but you know, it's, it's like not even ventilated. Right. It's not ventilated. Yeah, it's not ventilated. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. I could talk about it forever because it's fun. No, that's cool. But... I love it. I love it. That's very interesting. And the helmet is one of the things, it's like best bang for your buck as far as making you faster uh, on in a triathlon compared to like your normal gear. Yep. Um, next question here is from Sam. Hey, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flynn. I've just recently gotten into triathlon and I found your show. I spent a lot of time driving around as a Domino's delivery driver listening to podcasts. Oh, Sam, I think, Epic. I think, you, I love I think it. you might be my hero. Uh, yeah. So I've decided to go back and listen to every episode of the TTL pod. Uh, my question is, what have y'all learned since starting this podcast or how did you feel this podcast has affected your lives? Thanks for all the laughs and the knowledge, Sam. I'll start by saying that I, I heard a story once of this guy who was a Domino's delivery driver and he, he took this girl out on a date at one point, had nothing to do with Domino's and like someone pulled out in front of them and he instinctively put his arm in front of her and she thought it was really romantic, but it was just because he was so used to having the pizza stacked on next to him <laughs> to stop them from going flying. So you never know what life experiences can bring That's you. That's amazing. That's very funny. Just like this pod. So yeah, you guys go ahead. I mean, I guess your lives haven't changed that much because you you already had the YouTube show. Yeah, my life has not changed, except for that I need to schedule this into my week. <laughs> so, so your life has gotten worse. Uh, <laughs> That's the podcast? Yeah. Since we started the podcast. My life has not changed. Yeah. Has your life changed? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> my life changed when I started editing a video every week four years ago. Yeah. Wow, I it mean, has it's, been it, that long. It's not that it hasn't, 
yeah, my life day to day has not changed, but it is cool to see that people listen to it. And we go to races and people say they love the pod and like all that is really cool. That was an interesting switch when it went from everybody coming up to us saying, oh, I love your YouTube show to like every you know third person would say they love the podcast. Yeah. And that was, that was an interesting. It was like a dagger to the heart for Eric. <laughs> no, it still, it's, it's still is every time for him. Yeah. But it's so much more digestible to listen to a podcast than watch a video. So I think that maybe it spreads a little wider than someone it's who different. watches YouTube. It's a bit different. It's just, it's just different. And I, I think we, we kind of assume that there's people that, a lot of people that do both, but I think there's a good amount of people that are only interested in one or the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But no, I think it's really cool. It's a, from Eric and I's perspective, it's very easy because we just source the questions and show up here and chat with Nick for two hours. But Nick's the one that does the editing and all of the back end work to make it sound really good and to make it flow. And um, I don't think it would really work without any of us. If any of us weren't here, it wouldn't it would be the work. same. No. Yeah. What I really like about it and is kind of the reason that we wanted to start it in the first place is there were a lot of topics that would come up or would come to mind that just didn't fit inside of the YouTube format. Like it's there's not yeah. enough time to really get into it and Long to form. talk about things in depth. And, and I just kind of felt like, oh man, there's a bunch of stuff I want to say, but it just doesn't fit. So this has been perfect for that. Yeah, I think that that's what highlights the difference is that the YouTube is not so much an intellectual expression. It's an artistic and emotional expression. And the podcast yeah. is an intellectual expression. So we can feel free to take our time, dive deep, not worry too much about the pacing or the context and just yeah. speak freely. Whereas the YouTube, it needs like a through line and an aesthetic that you kind of stick to. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that's also why people feel like it's there's just not as much pressure when you're listening to a podcast. The same reason why I don't like watching many movies or TV shows, because I know that when I sit down, I'm going to be forced into this groove of emotion that whatever the director or the writers are hoping that I'll go on to. Or it's like mm-hmm. a podcast is so much more open and it's like you can pause it halfway. You, know, yeah. you can't pause like a theatrical movie halfway. It's like it's going to yeah. rip your heart out. <laughs> yeah. There's no beginning, middle, Amen. and end, really. You can yeah, just that, pick it up halfway through. Well and, said. Yep. There's no story arc, really. Yeah. No, but it's been... It's been fun. I don't know. Oh, it, for me, it's been very, very fun. It was like yeah. life changing for me well, since from when we started it. I feel like my training and my racing feels like it means some, something more than it did before. Like I feel like I'm racing for all the listeners. You know, like it's like I'm out there, but I'm really I'm racing for everyone that <laughs> listens to the podcast because I'm one of them. That's a super good point. That's exactly how I've felt about the YouTube, and that's probably what um, Sam was asking and you've experienced it with the podcast versus we kind of experienced it first with the YouTube or we show up to a race and it's like pretty obvious that the result, it matters, but like people are just really excited to see you there and, and it feels like, yeah, I don't know. We're doing something more than just trying to get across the finish line first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was never trying to do that, but now I definitely just feel like I'm just out there trying to do my best and be happy with it. Let people yeah. know that they can do their best and not be the fastest person out there and still enjoy the sport. Yeah, man, you better not. You, you got to have an epic DNF pretty soon here because uh, we need another <laughs> you're, banger you're right. Nick failure okay. podcast. <laughs> I still, I, I know I send them to you guys every once in a while, but I still get messages from people who like are going back and listening to everything and they listen to that race recap and they're like, dude, that day was brutal. That was a hard yeah. one. That's, that's, the, that's the nest of the sport right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, okay, cool. Well, next question here um, is from a Swedish listener in, oh boy, Steen, S-T-I-J-N. Do either of you know how to pronounce that? I don't know if that's Steen or Stein. Well, I hope it's one of those. Um, hi, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flynn. Outdoor season has started here on the west coast of Sweden, where it gets quite windy. Tailwind is great, obviously, but I'm having issues properly biking through headwind. Whenever I'm experiencing headwind, I get out of my aero position resulting in a drop in speed from both a headwind and a worse position. It feels easier for me to power through the headwind from an upright position than an aero position. In addition, I'm a bit scared of wind pushing me sideways on a car road, which feels more likely with a headwind, and I feel more in control in an upright position. Um, then he tells us about the bike, which is a Speedmax uh, with DT. It's actually my bike. Um, well, there's your problem. Yeah. 
<laughs> you gotta you get on that bike. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? Because that's what we'll tell you. <laughs> you need a brand new bike. Uh, anyway, do you guys have experience with this? Any tips for riding aero with headwind and still being able to push proper power? Paul, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask about this. I'm, I, I can't, I can't believe that you put this question in, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this was, this is me, and in disguise, it's you, Dutchy, a Dutchy based yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. No, every single, every single thing that he wrote, I can relate to. So, uh, you guys take it away, you experts at arrow and wind. Oh wow! Um, I just thought it was very timely because we. Uh, just like two days ago or yesterday, my, my brain's kind of scrambled. We did this uh, three-hour ride with Ellie Salthouse and her, her boyfriend, Zach, who are living with us right now. And it was wildly, uncharacteristically windy here. And we all just kind of like, she was doing a TT workout and we were all hanging on her wheel and echeloning and it was pretty entertaining, but very, very hectic. So timely question. Personally, I... I don't know. Like I sometimes I feel like I'm actually less susceptible to being thrown around by the wind while riding arrow. Yeah. Because my my profile that the wind is hitting me, you know, is less. It feels more committed and more sketchy because you don't have as wide of a base on your handlebars to turn with. But I've watched Paula quite a few times and a crosswind comes and she freaks out and gets out of the bars. And at that point, the crosswind's over. The gust has happened. She's already ridden it out in the bars, in the TT bars, and then she's on the base bar. So I know it like feels super disconcerting, but I think actually a lot of the times having that tighter profile and riding arrow, you catch a little less wind than if you're sitting upright, even if it feels weird. Oh, you definitely do. But it's the stability and control that oh, you feel when you're in the base bar that totally. forces you up there, especially on busy roads. Like if I'm riding a bachelor down bachelor and there's a huge headwind and there's cars flying past me. I'm so terrified to go in arrow. Totally. And that's more of a fear of cars than a fear of wind, I would say. Because in a race, if it's really windy and the roads are more closed or blocked off, I'm more confident. So for this person practicing, I would say finding quieter roads is for sure a first step to take away that element of fear. And then just being okay with your bike swaying. I think that's part of the fear for me is I want it to be like rigid, upright, have full control, but the wind is going to kind of push you a little bit back and forth. Very unlikely it's going to literally push you off your bike. It would have to be crazy for that. But bikes are kind of meant and designed to kind of sail with the wind. So if it's pushing you from the front or for the side and you're going to go, go drifting left or drifting right, you can kind of correct it with your arms. But I mean, I'm telling you this advice and it's all very hard. And I'm not good at it, but that's how people... Uh, successfully ride in the aero bars while it's windy is just, you know, flowing, flowing with the wind on your bike, like a sail. Be like water. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this is just about riding more in these conditions and just like your brain subconsciously getting used to that kind of fear, like Eric is saying, because when you're in the aero bars, you're, you're like, you're committed, Right. And as it's yep. gusting, like you want to get out of there, but you're, you know, you don't have, you can't break and you have less of an, of, of less leverage. Yeah. It is, it is, it is scary. But I, I've seen it in races where I see other people get out of arrow. And to myself, I think, okay, this is my chance to stay in arrow and make up some time on them. Yes. Totally. And also, also often the harder you're riding, the more pressure you're putting on the pedals, the more stable you'll be in high winds. So if you, freak out, stop pedaling and go to the base bar, you're going to be much more, you know, pushed around by the wind versus if you're in arrow, kind of pushing a big gear and staying on the watts, you'll be more stable, 100%. Yeah, yeah, your whole your whole core is activated and you're, you're as rigid as you can be like as a system. Yeah. I will say that if you're going to get, put your hands on the base bar, there's a big difference between sitting all the way up and trying to stay low for that short period of time if you're in mm-hmm. a race. Yeah, totally. to try to to try to mitigate that. Yeah, that's a good point. Nick. kind of keep your body low and also reset as quick as you can. Like if you're, it's fine. You get scared. You go to the base bar. That's fine. But get back in the arrow bars as as quickly as possible. That's what my coach always says to me. He's like, "Yeah, it's fine. You sat up, but just get it back in. Yeah. Don't sit up and have a little pity party for yourself and be sad about the wind and be scared. Just keep riding and go back in them." Is you the know? wind at all a concern for Canadian TT championships? 
yeah, it's always a concern, but I do have race brain versus training brain. Okay, yeah. And I can pretty much conquer anything with race brain. Love it. Because last year it was quite windy for the TT champs and it was raining. Mm. Conditions okay. I would freak out with in training. Right. But in racing, it's like uh, a bit of a different mindset when there's something on the line. Yeah. Hard to explain. But that's where I'm saying that like the speed and the power and everything can kind of sometimes make those elements less scary. Yeah. When you're more focused on going hard. Yeah. Cool. Next question is from Amelia. Greetings, Paula, Eric, and Nick. And the rare occasion when I do two days of double workouts in a row, by the end of the fourth workout, I'm sick of showering and my laundry basket is full of stinky clothes. Here we go with laundry again. Paula and Eric, I've heard you say that you often do three workouts a day. Do you shower after every workout? Do the showers feel like work because you have to rush to get to the next workout or are you able to enjoy them? Uh, and and then there's a couple more. Paula, how does your hair dry? <laughs> yeah. How many workout clothes must you possibly have? Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys, so for example, for me, if I have a swim at 11 a.m. and then I'm going to run later, I don't, I just rinse off at the pool, but I don't do a full shower in between. Or mm-hmm. if I, even if I have like a bike and then a run two hours later, I'll just not, I will not shower between them. And maybe that's gross. But do you guys, what's the limit? No, I'm the same as you. If I swam, I don't shower after the pool. Paula does. But somehow, somehow like being sh- taking a shower at the pool, I think also feels different than taking a shower at your own house. Oh, for sure. It just feels like part of the activity. Um, but I'd say, yeah, if I'm going to run within like an hour and a half, two hours after biking, I don't, I don't shower then. If it's not super sweaty out. Yeah, assuming I'm not like drenched in sweat, I'll do a quick rinse off if it's, if it's crazy. Because then th- you're just like running with... You like running some chafing issues on the run. It's not good. Yeah, I think the key here is like Eric and I are really good at quick showers. So after a bike ride or after a run, if I have another workout in the day, I'll get in the shower, but it's just like soap down my body, not washing my hair, obviously, but I'll wash my hair after the pool because I just feel like the chemicals and the yuckiness of the pool stays in my hair. So every time I finish swimming, I'll do shampoo and conditioner. Then every after every workout, I'll do a mini shower. <laughs> so yeah, wow. it's a lot of showers, but it's like two minutes of shower. You know, I'm not yeah. enjoying it as this person said. It's purely, purely utilitarian. It's purely to like get the sweat off. And then I'll often like get out of the shower and put my run clothes on right away, even if I'm not running for an hour or two. And I'll say this, you do have a strikingly nice hair for someone who swims and works out as much as you do. And you do have a couple secrets. You've mentioned them on the pod before, but do you want to just give me the 30 second recap of the stuff? I think I've mentioned them a lot of times, but yeah, I use just like good quality shampoo and conditioner. So Evita or Bumble and Bumble, like it's a little more expensive, but I think it's good for your hair. And then I use, I use the Bumble and Bumble finishers oil, which is like kind of an, Oil protectant protects you from UV rays and heat and all of that. And I just like run that through my hair when it's wet. Oh, you mean you don't use the four-in-one body wash, shampoo, conditioner, car oil that Eric and I use? <laughs> four-in-one. <laughs> Toothpaste, uh, no, moisturizer. Eric uses the stuff. Actually, what we have in our uh, shower right now is Zelios shampoo and conditioner and body wash, mm, what you can, mm. which you can buy at thefeed.com. And uh, wow. that is, we just have these huge pumps Dropping in there. that. I do love the huge pumps. Yeah. Just like the sunscreen. I think I might get the sunscreen one. I, it's like $100 or something, but having yeah. to just like, you know, by the door, like you guys do it. Yeah. It uh, never runs fast out. Fast forward to three months from now when it still is there, you're going to just be like so stoked. Yeah. yeah. You won't even remember that $100. Yeah. I'm getting a and lot of sun And you can also buy days. the sunscreen at thefeed.com. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, next you can, also, you can also buy it a lot of other places. I mean, um, it's a I think they're based in Bend. They are. Zealus is based in Bend. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not anymore, but they definitely were. Some Bend guys. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Oh, that's Love really that cool. Company. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, how often do you do laundry? Like every three or four days, I'd say. But we do have enough like bibs and jerseys to get us through a week if we had to. It's just the thought of the stuff sitting in there dirty is yep. not nice to me. Yeah. It should breathe. It sh- I remember reading about this a little bit. Your laundry basket with your sports stuff should be really breathable. Like not yes. an enclosed like metal can or something like mm, that. Ours is not breathable. Good tip though. Well, yeah. no, it's not that bad. It's like a cloth side. I, I think it's fairly breathable. Maybe a little bit, yeah. 
I think ideally it'd be like you'd be able to see the stuff from the outside, like with these yeah, okay, big it could be holes. Better. Okay, I'll, I'll go. They have a really cool one at Restoration Hardware. It's only like $400, but it's on wheels. It's only $400? Is that what you just said? Yeah, it's only four hundred, but I don't it's think so that's, cool. That's not more breathable than what we currently have. It might be mesh. It better do the laundry too really? for four hundred dollars. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man. Oh my gosh. When you start going into these stores that have like all the trendy cool stuff, like schoolhouse and money is it just loses meaning. Right. Like of course that light is eight hundred dollars. In my so mind, I'm cute. like, do you know how many lattes at Go Get 'em Tiger that is? Like that is a lot of lattes. <laughs> I don't do that math. <laughs> I, that's how I think. That's how I think. Um, okay, next question here. Does drinking soda keep stomach bugs away? I'm targeting Ironman Texas, and I've been reading people's posts about getting sick, allegedly from the swim. Wow, that's never a good sign when you're already reading that. Uh, my yeah. first reaction was, dude, why are you drinking the nasty water? But then I see Holly Lawrence's 70.3 Boulder recap video where she mentions taking a Coke before the swim to, quote, ward off any stomach bugs from the water, end quote. Thoughts on this? I would have thought there was nothing you can do, but don't drink the water and hope for the best. And apparently soda helps. Thanks and keep the content coming. P.S. Why is it always Coke? Dr. Pepper is clearly superior and the nutrition label is nearly identical, just saying. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I did some research, but I'm curious what your thoughts on this are before I tell you what the research is. My first reaction with this is that it's a bit placebo. Not placebo, is that it's total... It's a crock of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's doing anything, but if you think it's doing everything, it's kind of a fun thing to be like, this Coke is killing right. the bugs, you right. know? Right, right. I mean... So I don't blame her for doing it, but it's, right. I don't think it's effective. I hadn't even heard about this until Holly's video where she said it, but apparently it is something that some people do believe is true. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard um, it before. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It just tastes so nuclear. It must be killing right. everything in my stomach. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, there's like the thing that like if you put a tooth in a, in Coke, it'll like dissolve overnight or like some all kinds of stuff. It's like it's like rotting the inside of your body, which I don't know. Maybe it's partially true. But Eric, you've heard this before too? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've done it before as well. And you're kind of like, mm, this feels fake, but uh, whatever. I mean, Maybe it's, it's not fake. Coke tastes good, so. If there's a 0.1% chance this helps a little bit, then great, because yeah. I don't want to be barfing for the next 24 hours. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the research is that, it, in fact, there is no evidence at all that it works. Uh, it's I think it's one of these mental things, because I think Coke can help a little bit with uh, stomach uneasiness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's more to do with the carbonation, uh, than anything else. But, yeah. um, but this is by, uh, Jamie Beach, uh, in 220 triathlon. The reality is that when you survey all the literature, there's simply no scientific evidence whatsoever that drinking Coca-Cola or any similar drink after an open water swim will reduce the likelihood of getting an upset stomach. Drink cola after a swim if you enjoy it, but don't expect it to protect you. Well, there we go. One more fun thing ruined by science. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what, people? If you need to have uh, your soft drink after an open water swim, go for it. You can yeah. tell yourself whatever you want. Like, ideally, you're not swimming in places where That's you're worried about getting sick. But Holly really got sick last year after Boulder 70.3. Uh, so she was just in a state of like, it's worth a try, right? Yeah. Because if she gets sick from that and it drags on and affects her training, it's kind of sucks. So... Uh, also, I know that we have a lot of listeners that live in Southern California because I, I have the stats. Um, and so maybe this is relevant for people who don't know it, who aren't, who maybe don't live close to the water, but want to come and do open water swims before their races. Uh, you should not swim, at least in the waters in Los Angeles, you should not swim within three days of rain because the rain washes a lot of chemicals and crap uh, into the ocean. And it's, you can get very sick from that. Uh, so it's crap. Yeah, is yeah, literal crap. It, uh, Eric, do you remember the same warning being given to you when you lived in San Diego, or is that just an LA yep. thing? 100%. Yeah, so I think Southern California in general might be outside of California, might be kind of like a universal thing. Anywhere where you have drainage that empties out into the ocean, you're going to have a lot of literal bad crap uh, in the water, and you need kind of three days for that to dissipate and float out, float away into the ocean. Good tip. Or you can just swim in it and then drink Coke after. <laughs> Where's the, I need the rim shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh yeah, that's great. Um, okay, well that was our last question. What do we have coming up? I'm racing this weekend in San Diego, a little sprint. Uh, Paula, you're racing this weekend in Canada. Friday, yep. Eric, you're not racing this weekend, but I'm dri- I'm driving all the way to Canada by myself. That's like a race, a race in itself. In yep. our new van, actually not by myself with Flynn. Ooh, ooh, boys, the- road trip. This is breaking my heart because I'm flying to Canada on Tuesday because I race on Friday. And way back in the day, we thought we'd have our new van like now so we could drive now and be there, like drive together. Now is five days from when this comes out. But the van is not, the van is arriving like Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I don't know. So Eric's just going to get it when I'm not here, which is heartbreaking to me. Right, and pack course. it up himself, which is also heartbreaking because oh, I won't be able to organize it. Sweet boy. And then he's going to throw Flynn in there and drive straight to Edmonton, which is also sad. Don't worry. I won't organize it. I'll just put everything on the floor and you can organize it when I get there. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> would, doing, he does that for you. The pleasure. But I think Eric's going to have a really fun drive in it. So I don't feel too bad that he's doing it solo. No, it's going to be true. awesome. It's going to be beautiful. Flynn's going to have a beautiful seat to sit in. It's oh, it's so fun. And we've actually already seen it in person. Well, not the compl- fully completed version. We've That's seen true. like the base of it, but then it went uh, so... I guess it's, it'll be announced at this point. So it's a storyteller and we saw it in its base configuration Ooh. and then it went to Canyon Adventure Vans in California to get a slider for the uh, for the bikes to go on in the back and then like an extra upgraded super cushy mattress and like a bunch of these cool little upgrades that are just going to like put it over the top. I mean, we have to do a whole podcast on the van, but yeah. it's going to show up finished and amazing and um, I'll see it when we're in Canada and then we'll be staying up in Canada for a little while uh, to train and be in the van and not exclusively not living out of it but it'll be super fun to finally have it so we're excited. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the very first time I met you guys in person and I had my car which has like a million automatic features right like self-driving <laughs> features and I still and think about guys, this every day. <laughs> You guys, we met at Chevlin Park and you guys, I was, I was staying in Bend for a month. Coincidentally, my girlfriend at the time wanted to stay in Bend for the month of January. So we went up and I was like, oh, that's great. Eric and Paul are there. I haven't met them yet. I can't wait to meet them. So like the second day I'm there, I got a text from Eric. Do you want to go for a run? So we meet at Chevlin Park. I pop out of my car. You two pop out of the van. You know, I'm a little starstruck. And I'm like, I think one of the first things I said was, it's like, what kind of like automatic features do you have on this thing? And Eric's like, uh, Automatic headlights, like <laughs> cruise <laughs> control. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and does so, not drive itself. My question is: Does this have anything other than cruise control, or is it still the kind of the same deal? Yeah, it's got all the things. Oh, well, it wow. doesn't drive itself like a Tesla. No, but it's got adaptive cruise control. It's got lane keeping. It's uh, got crosswind assist. It's wow. like it does all the things. It's the new twenty three all wheel drive. The adaptive cruise control is the game changer. The fact that you can just set it at a speed and it will kind of follow the car in front of you speed that, so you don't have to have your foot on the pedal, like constantly yeah. monitoring. That's life changing. Yeah. It's pretty dreamy. Yeah. For long road trips, like we're doing, it's, um, it truly is life changing. It's also like insanely quiet relative oh, to an older van. That van was so well insulated. Yep. So anyway, wait. we'll talk more about it on next week's podcast, I think, because there's a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll debrief sure. Paula's race. Yeah. And do you have, um, do we want to talk about the t-shirts or not yet? Yeah. Last thing that's happening in the next couple of weeks, we don't have an exact day, but we just got samples of our next round of t-shirts and shorts that are coming out. The t-shirts will be end of June. The shorts will be in July. Things are a little spread out, but that's just the way that clothing production goes. Um, they're super fun. They're very colorful. They're very like summer vibes and we love how they turned out. So stay tuned for some photos of those and then we'll do the drop at the end of June. Also, I just want to kind of apologize. Last week we we uh, released the TTL and Foreign Rider hoodies and they they came out on Wednesday and the podcast came out on Thursday. And by the time the podcast came out at Wednesday night at gone. midnight, they were already all gone. Yeah, they, some sizes were sold out within 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we were really surprised because they're a bit of a higher price point than what we normally do because they're just such high quality. So we were a little nervous to do a big run of them, but clearly we should have ordered like four times as many as we did. But yeah. it kind of is cool. Like the whole thing with what we do is it creates the sense of urgency and 
got to get it now. Otherwise it's gone. So yeah. I yeah. don't really regret that they sold out so quickly. And it kind of um, is how we've always done things here. That's totally, it's, it's, it's always been a small run of stuff and that makes yeah. it yeah. special and you got to get in fast to get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just if, if there's something that you really want and you've seen us talk about it or you've heard us talk about it or you've seen us tease it, like that's the thing you should go all in on. Yeah. I did get a uh, email from a pod supporter who said, it'd be nice if you gave the pod supporters like a little bit more of a heads up I agree. before we do these limited releases. So I think that's something we'll do in the future is an email the day before or the opportunity to order early if you support the podcast and are that committed to TTL that that you've invested that every month. So I don't know, something to consider for next time. It's something Eric and I talked about from the very beginning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, What you guys didn't hear is the fight we all just had that we're cutting out. (laughs) Oh, that's right. No, we don't uh, fight. We're back to being happy. (laughs) We don't fight. We're just passionate. We're passionate. (laughs) We're passionate about apparel. Good thing um, Nick edits this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, but no, th- so this week you can follow Paula on Instagram. You can follow That Triathlon Life on Instagram to see how her race goes. Unfollow Flynn on Strava and follow me on Strava because uh, <laughs> that's the fight that I'm that I'm fighting every day. This is funny actually, Nick. I checked today and you're up like 100 followers because we have not been good with Flynn's Strava. Yeah, well, sucks to suck. He hasn't been running that much either. Yeah, we need to really get his, Wahoo, warm. his Wahoo booted back up. But mm, mm. follow us all. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, we try to keep it entertaining on there. We do, yeah. Eric recorded a really cool video of me with my new wheels that I just got that'll release this week. So keep an eye out for that. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. artsy. Very, Very controlled burn vibes. Yes. I saw the photos. I saw the stills and they look great. Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, send in your questions concisely. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it brief. You know how Paula feels about long-winded questions. <laughs> no, I appreciate all of them. And we'll we'll uh, we'll see you all next week. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.